welcome to another episode of the Supply Chain Ambassador Podcast. I am your host, Bruno, helping you navigate the world of supply chain in a fun and engaging way, giving you top, top-notch insights and knowledge direct from industry professionals. On today's podcast, I wanted to share an industry perspective. When the government of Canada awards a contract to a Canadian company, how does that benefit communities and the people in Canada? Well, let's find out with today's guest. Gerald Rarama is a procurement professional currently living and working in Vancouver, BC. He is a former business degree graduate from Simon Fraser University, and he also has a project management certificate from the University of British Columbia. He has worked in procurement for the Canadian Tourism Commission, the University of British Columbia, and the city of Burnaby. Gerald is currently a procurement consultant with Vard Electro Canada, where he manages subcontracts and services of two Royal Canadian Navy vessels. He has also successfully achieved the ISO 9001 certification, which I think is great. All of this giving him strategic insight on how to support dynamic and diverse communities while ensuring that community members are protected through strong policies and meaningful contract provisions. So with that said, welcome, Gerald. Hello, Rito. Thanks for having me. Yeah, not a problem. So um, can you share with us, the listeners, about your position uh, and what you do? So I work at Bard Electric Canada. Um, we're one of the subcontracts of C-SPAN. C-SPAN is the prime contractor of the uh, Canadian Naval uh, Ship Procurement that they want. So uh, we're the engineering arm, while C-SPAN actually creates the the actual ship, the frame, the metal frame, and uh, we go in there and actually install it, like install the equipment, like the transformers, the uh, propulsion systems, the switchboards. Um, so what, how I'm involved is first we, uh, when we have like an equipment requirement, we have to go out to tender um, as part of our requirements because the Canadian government made us do that. <laughs> it's part of their rules. Uh, they make us go engage with um, local organizations. Uh, and a requirement of that is that we do have to work. Uh, we have to meet the dollar value threshold in terms of how much uh we procure locally or within the Canadian economy. Okay. So, uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with multipliers, uh, but uh, depending on what um, what we're buying or what we're investing in, yeah, uh, we get a certain multiple. Are you familiar with that, Greta? No, I'm not uh, familiar with that. If you can explain. Oh, yeah, so, that. Um, for example, let's say we go for bid and um, we find a, a Canadian company like Schneider. They have a head office here, and they um, and they hire. Uh, their staff is a hundred people. Yeah. So uh, the multiplier we can of two. So uh, so they would give us a multiplier of two because we met the hundred staff threshold of a, like they're employing hundred people. Okay. Uh, so let's let's say I buy the propulsion system and it costs a million dollars. I can times that by two. So I've uh, I've uh, given two million dollars to the economy. So uh, okay. it's not straight dollar for dollar because it would be impossible to procure everything. Yeah, um, within the Canadian economy, so so we met like two million dollars of our obligations to 
to give back to the community. Um, and then another example would be, uh, let's say we engage with uh, the universities and hire interns uh, there. So maybe we hire two people uh, and then that gives us another like a credit. So that maybe, that's, let's say their salaries, uh, they, they're an intern for a year and their salary is $80,000. So we would get a multiplier of five. So 80 times five, so that's $400,000 that we can put as a um, as our obligation, our value obligation to um, yeah, the Canadian contract economy. Okay. Yeah, so that's usually, that's how it works. And then there's obviously uh, different thresholds, um, like engaging with First Nations, First Nations groups, yeah. um, hiring them, training them, that would like be a multiplier of nine, uh, whatever value we put, like how much salary we paid them and how much training they receive, uh, we could times it by nine. So that's really layman's terms of how we contribute to the economy. I think that's fantastic. Uh, yeah. Who um, makes these decisions for these multipliers or who gives you the direction to uh, conduct these regional procurements, so to speak? So the federal government gives us the, uh, the instructions on how and like what multipliers uh, we can use. Okay. Uh, uh, sometimes, like let's say Vancouver, we don't have a thriving industry in terms of shipping. Yeah. So it would be harder for us to touch like on the higher multipliers. Yeah. So that's why uh, I don't. Know, it just it depends on where you are, and you, you just have to be creative. Like we would never like go out to a university and get um, two people to work for our organization just because like we don't really need to, but like to meet our threshold, like we right. gotta do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I see. So what does all this um, regional benefits mean to you as a procurement officer? It just means that you have to be more mindful of uh, who you're engaging and who you want to do business with. Uh, and, and when you're creating the evaluation criterias and the, the point system on how to award and like what to award, uh, you just have to keep that in mind. Um, like how much value and weighting do you want on employing Canadian uh, staff or in Canadian con the Canadian companies rather than like employing European um, companies to uh, to provide to supply you like with that transformer are they better off is their technology more superior you're just trying to find a balance because yeah. uh, generally yeah it's like we haven't matured in terms of our shipping industry and Europe has matured so much so um, we would never buy like a propulsion system from Canada just because like <laughs> Uh, yeah, it wouldn't work out that way. But yeah, so we would, and that's why we, we got to be creative in like terms of like other engagements. Like maybe uh, we can hire a First Nation uh, staff to do work for us for like installation, um, even though that would have been a project that we would have given to the to the supplier of that equipment, like uh, get them to do it. But yeah, so that's uh, just finding what more balances. It's a lot of more administration work and more discovery stages. Okay. And do you have any? Do you have some idea of how you do reach out to these uh, regional groups? Like you said, it's part of the planning stages. So I, I'm I'm assuming that while you're planning for your sourcing, your contracting, you make a note that okay, we're going to reach out for this category of of people because we want them involved in this procurement. Right? Is that how you would explain it? Yes, correct. Uh, well, it just depends on. Well, first and foremost, we depend on the actual equipment, like how much of the equipment and the installation and all the services, like the main, the meat of the work. Yeah. Like, uh, and then everything else after that, uh, then you would decide like, how do we meet our $20 million cap? Um, 
Yeah, so there's forums and there's like websites who specialize in like um, like them just having a consortium of uh, staff or teams or companies that are local that would help us. Sometimes yeah. you can hire a consultant to give you like, hey, uh, we need this. We need to hit twenty million dollars, and we can do this much. Are you able to help us? Like, can you find the company for us? Yeah, so it doesn't take up too much of our resources. It just depends on how much time and how much staff we have okay. uh, to help with that project. Yeah, I see. And can you speak to some of the challenges that uh, you face uh, when conducting regional-based uh, procurement? So it's really hard to uh, find that actual um, the requirements that we need, like specific requirements uh, locally, uh, and it. We're uh, we're constantly trying to like educate ourselves on certain techniques, and um, just so that we are able to do it, rather than hiring a, an external like a international company to do it. So there's a lot of uh, in-house training involved because mm-hmm. we we can't find the person locally to do it. So we have to train people within our organization uh, and send them off to a training uh, camp and do it themselves. I see. I yeah. Think- that's fantastic, and uh, and especially nowadays that the world is becoming a smaller place, smaller in the terms of um, giving the past election uh, down uh, in the states where there was a big focus on investing within your own um, boundaries, right? Within your own. By America, right? Yeah. It's how have you found the pandemic affecting your procurement and your your regional aspirations? Well. Um... It definitely has benefits for sure. Like uh, a private organization would never try to do these kind of outreaches to other um, local economy. But yeah, uh, yeah. So there's a uh, right now. Uh, it looks like um, C-SPAN is tightening on some of these um, these contracts, uh, and they're trying to do more things in-house. A lot of the engineering items, uh, because uh, it is costing us as a subcontractor of C-SPAN to outsource uh, to Canadian, like the local economy and it's costing us way more money than it should. Okay. Right, all these restrictions. Yeah. So it, it really affects the taxpayer at the end of the day. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So how can, how can Canada do better? Yeah, that's, I honestly think it would be like a feasibility assessment, even though that would probably cost a lot of money, but it would be good to assess on like what industries and what organizations exist in that province within that municipality like, are they actually able to, like, stimulate the economy? Um, and if not, then uh, how much is that going to cost Canada? So, yeah, more uh, like a lot of more pre-planning than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. I know the government of Canada certainly has um, uh, certain avenues, as, such as social procurement and green procurement initiatives that it's really pushing uh, to really help build up our local economy. Um, so I, I'm sure I'll have a guest uh, come on the podcast to speak to that so we can sort of get some more insight on what's happening behind the scenes. Yeah, and that's a, that's a cost to Canada too, right? So yeah. to actually be certified in whatever eco uh, certification there is or standard. Yeah. yeah. I noticed that like for when I try to engage with like shared services when I was working at the Canadian Tourism Commission, yeah, me getting a quote on my own uh, as part of the organization um, or also shared services with public works as well. Like the prices are way higher uh, with shared services rather than like me going out on a tender on my own. Okay. That's what I noticed. Yeah. 
Oh, that's interesting. Where do you see the trends uh, leading when we continue to invest in these regional economies? Well, the goal of having these uh, two ships built was to stimulate the uh, shipbuilding industry in Canada. Yeah. Um, maybe that's what's going to happen. Uh, now that we have a works yard here that builds ships, we're going to um, bid for more uh, international uh, contracts. Yeah. And that'll simulate the economy now that we have a good base here and we're developing the expertise. So I think that's, it'll be good for BC mm-hmm. um, and it'll drive a lot of uh, economy for you know, just the shipbuilding industry in general. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Any call to actions to listeners, any particular message that you want to convey to listeners? Uh, for people working in the procurement field, um, yeah, well, I noticed generally that uh, public procurement is uh, going more toward this whole um, social consciousness of social procurement. Yeah. So there's gonna they're eventually gonna include sustainability as a evaluation criteria, and all their RFPs. We did that with UBC. It was always like at least five percent. Um, was it? So uh, if you are mindful of that and just keep an eye out for organizations you can reach out to. Um, to get ahead of the game um, and just engage with the ones that you think are socially responsible. Yeah. Yeah. Benefit everyone. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's great. Okay. Wonderful. Well, I've asked all the questions I needed to ask today. (laughs) I just want to thank you uh, for coming in to to do this uh, podcast with me. Um, And I want to thank a lot of my listeners for listening. Um, And I'm just going to end off with the quote of the day. And I found this uh, this on doing my Google searches, of course, for the quote of the day. And this one's from Mother <laughs> Teresa, which says, I alone cannot change the world, but I can cast a stone across the waters to create many ripples. This is alluding to the fact that, you know, the little things that we do does have uh, uh, major changes, it does have a uh, rippling effect. So hopefully um, this podcast and this quote kind of helps steer us into that uh, notion of supporting our regional, our regions and our regional communities and supporting things beyond um, just uh, the day-to-day work that we do. So I want to thank uh, everyone for listening. Uh, you can find the podcast on Spotify and YouTube uh, by just searching the Supply Chain Ambassador podcast. If you want to be a guest on the show, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, just search for the Supply Chain Ambassadors there as well. Uh, Send me a message with your thoughts on how this podcast can bring value to you or your business. Uh, Thanks again. And until the next time.